Hey everybody, this is Carolyn Elliott. And this is Layla Bernard. You are listening to the Sleep Over podcast. And this is our first episode since our most recent Sleepover Mystery School immersion. We were in Miami, we had a mansion with a pool, we had our 30 beautiful participants. We had oceans of bliss. Oh, it was so nice. Much skinny dipping, much dancing in underpants. And we've been enjoying the after effects. It's been truly blissful, just outrageously, outrageously blissful. Yes, and so this morning, Layla came over for coffee, and we were talking, and she so sweetly complimented me. Uh, Carolyn looks fucking radiant today. (laughs) Carolyn is like a radiant vision of pure beauty today. I wish you guys could all see her. I'm sorry that this is not a video podcast. And I was just telling her that my beauty secret is that I've been (laughs) working on integrating... um, Belial, or Baal, who's one of the four kings of hell mentioned in uh, the book of the sacred magic of Abramelin the mage, which is sort of like the keystone text for the invocation of the holy guardian angel in the Western Hermetic tradition. Aleister Crowley developed a version of it called Liber Samak, which uses the headless rite as the invocation. And that's the tradition I've been working in. And I had this interesting experience lately that led up to working with Bale. So I figured I'd tell y'all the story, tell Layla the story, because she yeah. hasn't heard it yet. Yeah, I'm so excited. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking to Lon Milo Duquette, who is an excellent, beautiful being, um, a thalamic genius, and such a saintly, loving presence. When I met Lon in uh, Los Angeles at one of the Game of Sovereigns gatherings, his transmission on the Holy Guardian Angel just made me weep cosmic tears of joy and realization it was just amazing he truly has an amazing transmission and is a saint yes an utterly inspiring person so i highly suggest that you check out all of lon's books and uh, you can find videos from him on youtube you can also find his website and you can he does uh, tarot readings for the amazing low, low price of $100 an hour, which is, I mean, he's just such an accessible saint. So I highly recommend that you hire Lon for a, a reading, a consultation. I did, and we were talking, and he was like, well, you know, since you're in Tifereth now, Tifereth is um, like the solar heart consciousness of beauty and grace that's at the center of the Tree of Life. Synonymous with Christ's love. Yeah. Easter season. It's good to give a shout out to our beloved Jesus. Yeah, and that's the center where you are once you have um, knowledge and conversation of the Holy Garden. All right, Carolyn was talking about uh, the conjuration of the kings and being seated in Christ Tifereth consciousness, and then someone called me on my phone, so welcome to the distractions of (laughs) our podcast. Sorry. Yeah, well, so anyways, I was just saying um, that... Alon was like, you know, traditionally, now that you're in Tifereth, you would conjure the four kings of hell. That's the instruction in this book of the sacred magic of Abramel and the mage, and command them, make them swear oaths to you. And I was like, oh boy, Lon, that sounds like a lot of work, all that goetic stuff. I mean, if you people who are into the Solomonic magic and the Goetia, it there's like triangles of conjuration there's layman's you have to make there's all of this stuff plus lots of people have um you know kind of scary stories about their workings with go goetic demons 
So I was like, do I really have to do all that? And he was like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it, Caroline. It was, don't worry about it. You know, you can just, uh, you know, like identify, um, you know, parts of yourself that are unruly, you know, maybe gluttony, lust, these vices, and um, work with them how you work with them. And I was like, great, I, I can do that, no problem. I, I have ways to do that, so I will. Okay, so that happened. And then what happened, so we had the immersion, came home, um, had a lovely Easter. So we were having Easter dinner, and um, the mother of my husband's sons, um, she was there at the dinner, and she had been house-sitting for us uh, a while back while we were in California. And she told me a story that apparently... David says that he had told me before, but I don't remember so clearly. But apparently while she was house-sitting for us, the night uh, before we came home, she was trying to fall asleep, and she was hearing crazy noises in the house that sounded like simultaneously like a cat and a bellowing frog and maybe like a man's voice. And, you know, there was nobody in the house. The kids were asleep upstairs. The door was locked. The dog was with her. And she, she went to the fireplace and she really felt like the sounds were coming from the fireplace. And she felt like when she looked at, we have a little fake fireplace, a gas fireplace thing. And when she looked at the logs, the ceramic log thingies in there, she felt like she saw faces of like a cat, a toad, a man on the logs. So she was telling me this, and um, she was telling me that she felt like it was a goetic presence. I guess she's done some work with uh, the goetic spirits, and she strongly felt that it was um, Baal or Belial, and she showed me in, in the book of Solomon, the lesser key of Solomon, the picture and the seal, and sure enough, he's the first king of hell in the in the Solomonic grimoire. And uh, so this was pretty interesting to me because, like I said, I had no intention of wanting to work with the Goetic spirits. I, um, but the fact that, I mean, I guess I've done enough magic to take it seriously when the name of a spirit presents himself, and. I mean, he didn't present himself directly to me, but... He presented himself to someone who would know his name. In my home. In your home, correct. Yes. And so I was like, all right. Oh, shit. Here (laughs) we go. He's knocking on the door. Here we go. Coming down the chimney like Santa Claus. Yes. So (laughs) I proceeded to do a bit of research. Um... So there's, you know, four kings of hell, um, Belial, um, Satan, Lucifer, and Leviathan. And they each have different associations, and Anton LaVey developed some modern associations with them. And they, um, well, so from what I learned, Belial is like um, a king. So one of the powers that he's said to grant is invisibility. Mm. And he's often, he's also said to be sort of like a master of obscuration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a spirit of um, independence, which I could also interpret, I interpret also as like isolation or alienation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was reminded of the term that the Temple of Set uses, which is isolate consciousness, mm. which I think of as like the Orphic egg before it hatches. Right. And um, I was looking at the Goetic Seal for Belial, and it looks like a fortress, um, and it also looks like... One second, I'm going to grab it. Yeah, I want to see this. Um, it looks like there's some... How do I describe? Um, we'll describe it together. Can you? <laughs> oh, yeah. So it looks to me like it's a fortress that has like some... Um, I don't know how to, like, there's some mirroring, some symmetry going on, but it also looks to me like um, little scientific diagrams of how sense perception is thought to happen. Yes. Like the common materialist idea of sense perception is like there's it's like... It's interesting, Carolyn, it looks like a fortress, but it also looks like a skull. So it's like the... Yeah. It's like, this, it's like the fortress of one's own mind. Exactly. Exactly. And perhaps because I've been doing a lot of this, like, non-dual inquiry stuff lately connected to um, Greg Good's books called um, The Direct Path, A User's Guide, Standing as Awareness. Um, I, it really struck me that what this, what this the image of the seal spoke to me of was um, sort of the spirit or the unconscious force that creates um, the appearance of duality, the appearance of like, I'm a subject stuck in a body. I'm in a world of, you know, pre-existing objects that outside of me that are outside of me that self exist from their own side, like the saying in Buddhism goes. And, um, you know, I mean, according to the Buddhists, that's that's ignorance. That's the delusion of separation. And it's a very alienating feeling to feel like one is, you know, a separate subject in a world of objects isolated within a prison of the body. And according to the direct path and, and Zogchen, you know, it is an illusion and it is not even true in our direct experience. It's just something that we've been habituated and conditioned to. Well, and the great trickster god of language, Mercury, really makes that illusion seem very, very real, master magician. Absolutely. And so um, it occurred to me that, uh, so it makes it makes sense that he's, you know, the first king of hell, right? Like, what is hell but being separate from God? Right, and, and this, imprisoned forever in this lost, like, cell of your own mind and your own body and your own experience. Yes. And Greg Good talks about in the direct path, and it's been my experience as I've worked with this, that the more one lessens the notion of um, discreetly real existing objects and comes to perceive that everything truly is just a dream, it's all unfolding in awareness, it has exactly as much substantiality as a dream, it just has a greater... A different sense of duration and coherence than nighttime dreams have, but those themselves are also just senses that can also be sensed in nighttime dreams. So they oh. are also insubstantial. Oh my God, Carolyn, I had like the, like my dream last night had the like very, just such a clear example of that. I have this like weird little cyst that's growing in my mouth and you know, I'm very aware of the sensations of that. 
during the waking dream of my day life. And last night in my dream, I had the exact same thing, but it was on the other side of my mouth. And I was just like, oh, wow. I was like so convinced that like this thing that was in my mouth had like moved from one side to the other. And it was literally as real. Just I had every complete sensory experience of that thing being on the other side of my face and completely existing and totally being real. And like, I think we've all had that experience in dreams of like things are just exactly as real and exist exactly as much as they do in our normal waking life. I mean, it's uncanny how much things are real. And like in my dream last night, I was like knocking into people and like really feeling my like body impacting these other so-called bodies. And just like, it was absolutely real. I could feel the ground underneath my feet. I was like, it was just so real, Carolyn. <laughs> yeah. It was as real as real. Yeah, as real as real, which is to say not real at not all. Not real at all, exactly, <laughs> completely, exactly. And when you woke up, you weren't really worried about what was happening, what happened to the other people in your dream, or where were they? No, <laughs> exactly. I was not at all concerned about what had happened to them. They were just dissolved as much as we will all eventually dissolve in the end. Yeah, so exactly. So it's been my experience that the more that I question the habitual, uh, you know, notion that um, I'm a subject existing in a world of self-persisting objects, the more things get, you know, sweet and light and beautiful and become like a sweet dream instead of like this really oppressive, alienating dream. And um, Greg Good talks about different stages of, you know, growing in non-dual awareness. And one stage is called the transparent witness. And that's where it still seems like there's a subject, um, but objects seem, you know, very fluid and light and not, um, you know, not having this like super heavy concrete quality. And that eventually dissolves into just like total non-dual perception where there is no sense of witnessing or witnessed. There's just, it's just all happening. And um, there's like a, you know, a kind of unity between amongst everything. The perceiver is the perceived. Um, so I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not in the total like non-dual phase. Um, I'm is closer in the like transparency, witnessy stage. Um, still some, he, he also talks about the opaque witness, which is where you feel like the witnessing awareness has qualities of like memory or anticipation or liking or disliking. So probably more in the opaque, <laughs> but it's getting thinner. It's getting thinner. It's getting, it's getting, thinner. Thinner. It's getting thinner. It's getting thinner all the time. Yeah. And, um, and so I was really reflecting that like, oh, wow, it makes sense that, you know, Belial is coming up in this way because this you know, conceiving it as, you know, this part of the unconscious or whatever perception the that um that is this habitual sense of alienation. Um and imprisonment. And imprisonment. Loneliness. And like, yeah. Experiencing the body as like a container of awareness, as if, you know, awareness is like limited to the body when really, right, the body just appears with in awareness just like bodies and dreams appear within awareness and right. can be different and everything and it's just yeah it's not actually a limiting prison but it it seems that way due to the hypnosis right 
Um, when the when that king of hell is running your life, yeah. then you are absolutely certain that that's the way that it is. Yes. And the task is to master that king of hell and to understand that that is purely, mm-hmm. purely a remnant of conditioning and hypnosis, like you were saying. Exactly. So the notion in the Abramelin book is, you know, you command the kings of hell, you make them swear oaths of allegiance to you. And you essentially give them new jobs. Like, you work for me now, you don't do the old stuff you used to do. And this. You turn into a real gangster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, this has parallels too with um, Dr. Robert D. McDonald's work, um, The Destination Method, where what you do is you dialogue with parts of yourself and, you know, you ask them what their intentions are and you give them new work to do. So I figured that rather going like full on old school Solomonic style magic, which I'm not prepared to do anyways, that I would just um, draw the seal of uh, Belial with um, with a nice <laughs> a nice hexagram on the paper, hexagram. a nice integrating hexagram, and um, you know commune with with his name and seal and ask him to speak to me in consciousness just as I would speak to like hey part of me that's making my neck tense would you talk to me in consciousness in the in the Dr. Robert kind of way and um, Dr. Robert has this beautiful process called the six-step reframe or I guess that came from NLP but Dr. Robert developed it in a wonderful specific way where you dialogue with part and you ask it about its intentions for you and um, and then you ask it to get together with your creative genius, which in another set of terminology we could call the holy guardian angel, and come up with um, you know new ways to fulfill its positive intention um, without any of its old unskillful methods, and then dream of applying those and see if it has any objections, and then if it has no objections, being like okay great apply these new ways and. Uh, Let's, you know, we'll make a system-wide announcement to the psyche and the body. This is what we're doing now. So um, I decided to work with that, using that six-step reframe to work with um, Belial. So I was talking to him this morning (laughs) after, you know, first I did all of my temple rituals, like the LBRP, the hexagrams, the headless rite. Um... And then I sat down to do this with a seal because I thought I should be maybe a little bit formally magic about it. And I really had this interesting conversation, you know, asking, you know, so like, what is it that you want to give me? And he wants, you know, just like we were saying, he wants to give me the sense of like extreme separation, isolation, individuation, uh, like away, apart from God. Um, wants to give me like these dramas of paranoia, fear, and what will that give me? That gives me entertainment and also a sense of, um, you know, compassion for other beings in the same situation. And also just, you know, an adventure gives me an adventure and ultimately gives me this, uh, you know, and why does he want me to have all that? Well, he wants me to have this experience of, like they say in Thelema, um, divided for love's sake, like the experience of reunion, of having the veils drop, 
and the union happen. And you, you can't have the experience of reunion if you've never had an experience of division. So I could really see, you know, Belial was just like such a sweetheart, like so wanting to give me this like fun. He's just like the he's just like the big friendly daddy who's playing peekaboo with you. He's putting up the veil of pretending that he's not there and shielding you from God and then pulling it down and being like, peek, there you are. And you're like, oh, my gosh, there you are. Amazing. And then pulls it back up again. And you're like, oh. Where did my daddy go? Oh, there he is. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. And something also, just to speak to some more parallels. So I was um, also in, in traditional descriptions. Go ahead. Okay. Layla has an idea. I'll just <laughs> go ahead, Caroline. <laughs> okay. Also in traditional descriptions of Belial, you know, he's called um, the worthless one. Mm. And I thought that, that was interesting because there's... Um, Dr. Robert has this thing where he talks about how there's like three fundamental limiting beliefs that people tend to have, which is uh, that they're worthless or they're helpless or that everything is hopeless. And I was seeing these parallels with like the worthlessness with the four kings of hell, with like Belial being the worthlessness, with um, with Leviathan being helplessness because Leviathan has this quality of like compulsion and just like animal instinct and like just being caught in loops of yeah compulsion so Leviathan Carol this is all feeling so fucking synchronous because like I feel like the worthless helpless hopelessness was like the thing that I was being asked so much to confront this winter of just like nothing is gonna work everything is fucked up i have no skills like la 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 and then like also the like compulsiveness like led us to the beautiful 12-step fellowship like it's fucking real like this map of the evolution of consciousness is so real it's real yeah it's so real i mean because we we pretty much hit tifereth over over the summer we hit it we were just like (laughs) swimming in it and then all of a sudden it was like all right the kings of hell are here and demand to be commanded or else or else yeah so it it, dude Yeah, so it took us a little while to catch on. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good thing we have dreamt of the amazing teacher, Lonnie Duquette, you know? It's a good thing that he has entered the dream with all of his saintly wisdom to be like, we got you. You're doing it. Yeah. If nothing is wrong, you're not actually plunged back into hell. You're actually just dialoguing with the rulers of hell now, and you need to learn how to deal with them. Yeah, the rulers of hell who gain more power as your personality gains more power. They Dude. get stronger, too. And and, and also the, the great saint, Dr. Robert, who has these cool processes that save me from having to buy a whole bunch of Solomonic regalia. <laughs> so then I was... Um, so yeah, so 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 exactly. So Leviathan, like you know, compulsion, um, and then um, uh, hopelessness would be like so. Satan, the word Satan literally means you know like adversary, opponent. Um, mm. Also closely associated etymologically with Saturn. Um, so like death. Um, I feel like that's like helplessness. Help, that's um, like helplessness. Well, well. So I was thinking hopelessness. Oh, I hopelessness. was thinking I was thinking helplessness with Leviathan and compulsion, mm, right? And hopelessness with Satan, because I feel like There's Satan no is also the critical voice. Right. Yeah. The like 
Right. The, 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 it's hopeless. There's it's no pointless. way to get out of here. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, um, so, so that, and then, um, so, so, th- so Dr. Robert has that, um, you know, helpless, hopeless, worthless, but there's four kings well, of hell. And, 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 so, and Lucifer is like the, what was the last one you just said? Helpless, well, hopeless, and worthless. Cause like Lucifer is the one that like lies to you and tells you like the opposite and like gives like grandiose, grandiose pride. Well, right. The pride. So I was, th- I was thinking that Lucifer is like the bluster that covers up you all know, of this shit, all of the deep insecurities oh of God. the worthless, helpless, hopeless. And like so, like the blustering pride and the vanity, and of course Lucifer has the more Venusian quality of. Um, so I was thinking, like, you know, there's an earth quality. Like Belial is associated with the earth element, and Leviathan with the water element, and uh, Satan with like fire, and Lucifer with air and intellect. And there's, I was thinking about Satan sort of similar to um like the cliffotic energy of Mars Samael mm. uh which is like yeah this like critical attacking sort of like harsh energy and then Lucifer sort of like the cliff off of um Netsock like this Venusian mm. prideful vain like obsessed with appearances mm. and you know sophistry sort of vibe so, the dream is so consistent, <laughs> Carolyn. Yeah. It's so consistent, so tight. Yeah. It's freaking me out. It's freaking me out, too. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. So, yeah, so I, I had this deep dialogue with Belial, and I was like, look, man, um, it's, you, you succeeded. You did your work. You gave me such a great adventure. I love you. Thank you. Wow. What a truly epic drama it has been. What a trip. And now we're at your dissolving the veils and happy reunion phase. So I want you to get together with my angel and come up with a thousand ways instead of giving me an unconscious notion of separation, alienation, you know, being, you know, existing in a world of self-existent objects. I want you to give me a sense of, um, you know, harmony and unity and peace and apparent uh, happiness, prosperity, and health for me and all other seeming beings that I encounter. And um, that's your job now. That's your new job. That's your new job. That's your job is no longer to do the alienation shtick. We're over that. And you start immediately. <laughs> you start immediately. <laughs> this is a system-wide announcement. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, the thing that I was... That's so amazing. And what's really what's really coming up for me right now is that it's so interesting that you're having these, like, revelations and experiences and integrations around the Easter season. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that is, like, you know, the deep Gnostic teaching of the Easter drama is that Jesus was, like, revealing that, like, I am not my body. I do not, I, I, my consciousness, my love for the world is not actually centered in my body. I don't need my body. My body can utterly dissolve, utterly die. And then I I will just come right back. I will just, I I will be re-revealed to you, right? Like it's the, it's the like loss and the reunion and the loss and the reunion and also the like complete willingness to like call the bluff of isolated imprisoned in the body consciousness like jesus doesn't need to exist in his body 
for him to exist and like visit his friends and like live in the world eternally and forever. Mm, yeah, also, exactly. And also in as part of the Easter mythos, you know, when Jesus dies on the cross, he goes down into hell for three days and three nights and, uh, you know, offers salvation to the beings in the hell realms to, you know, to the demons. He... Uh, he frees hell. Well, and that's also consistent with the, you know, myth that, or with the, you know, system that Lon is talking about, is that, like, when you hit Tifereth, mm -hmm. whose symbol is the sacrificed god, mm -hmm. the next thing you do is hell. Mastering the demons of hell. That's where you go before you are resurrected to complete unity and everlasting life in the supernal realm. Yeah, exactly. Dude, so, what the fuck? Yeah, so you're restoring the demons to their status as angels. There's only one story, Karen. <laughs> There's only one story told in a thousand different voices by the trickster god. Uh, it's true. I know, it's true. <laughs> and what I also think is really fun is I was listening to Damien Eccles has a little YouTube video where he talks about the Goetia, and um, he was talking about how... Um, so the word demon is connected to the uh, same, so the word genie, genius, jinn. Um, so, you know, in the Islamic tradition, they're, they're jinn. And of course, what, what do genies do? They grant, which, they grant wishes. And um, of course, Solomon, it's called Solomonic magic because according to legend, uh, Solomon, who was in the lineage of Jesus, one of his ancestors, um, built his temple with the help of these jinn, these genies, these demons that he uh, enlisted to his purposes. So it's like these fallen angels, um, demons, <clears throat> demons, what have you, kings of hell, are the, um, like the parts that, that build the material world air quotes yes and and as we've just been talking about like belial builds the material world in the sense of like building the sense of like this is a solid substantial well and isn't that world. what hell really is i yes. mean there is no other hell but the feeling of being utterly helplessly imprisoned in the material realm where you have no power over anything and you are just utterly a victim of circumstance and outside forces that impose their will on you and there's no way that your little tiny puny will locked up inside of all this fucking dense matter could ever really change anything. Like right. this is like when you are fully identified in Malkuth, you're in hell. There's no other hell than this world. And there's no other heaven than this world either. <laughs> I mean... That's the joke, but... Yeah, that's a big joke. And so the redemption of Belial is um, is being like, hey man, you, you don't have to be a demon anymore. You don't have to keep building hell. You can build heaven. You can give me heaven on earth instead of hell on earth. That's your new job. And um, it's just really sweet. It's the symmetry of it is really sweet. Yeah. And the integration of that has made you look so beautiful, Carolyn. That's... Long story short. Thank you. <laughs> Long story short. When I walked into Carolyn's house today, I was just like, what? What is happening? You don't think you... it's it's just not it's not just my Revlon cheek it's, highlighter? No, it's not just the Revlon <laughs> highlighter, Carolyn. I am not e that easily taken. Okay. I 
it was it was a, a glowing presence emanating off of your celestial being. <laughs> thank you, dear. Thank you. So these are, you know, you when you listen to Sleepover Podcast, you don't just get uh, spiritual information. You get beauty tips. Beauty tips. <laughs> yes. That's exactly the truth. Yeah. I mean, Sephora should really maybe want to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. If anyone, if, any, if anyone in Sephora is listening, you might... <laughs> You might want to get in contact with us because it's the real, real beauty that shines from within. <laughs> it's true. I, yeah. I can testify to that. Yeah. So soon we'll just have sponsors knocking on the door. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, it's... Um, so I just wanted to share this with everybody because um, I was really having a deep experience this morning while I was pondering Belial and, you know, I hadn't seen anybody else explicitly make these sort of connections between him as a spirit of worthlessness and alienation and, you know, the whole uh, ignorance of samsara and the perception of you know, a world of self-existent objects. So I felt like that was worth spelling out for people. Yeah. Thank you for your fucking service, Carol. Yeah, Yeah, that's amazing. Oh. So I'm just, I really want to give lots of love and honor to Belial, who um, has, um, at least in my experience, is, is now a sweet, sweet angel doing sweet, sweet stuff, having completed his, uh, hard labor, and um yeah it's cool it's really cool and i just i mean um <laughs> you just reminded me of my favorite song jesus was way cool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which everyone should listen to <laughs> jesus was way cool everyone should jesus check that out was way cool <laughs> i just had i just want to say that i had the most beautiful beautiful easter this year and just really I finally feel like I deeply understood the mystery of Easter and just the like mystery of the passion and what a like loving, sweetie baby Jesus was in committing his holy sacrifice of himself to prove that like we are not trapped mm-hmm. at all in the way that we think we are and we will always come back. Like our beloved self will just keep returning it's true yeah we all went to see the great the the last great passion play on earth uh jesus christ superstar yeah on good friday we were were worshiping hard to the rock opera jesus christ superstar (laughs) so good oh my god praise judas Mm -hmm. praise jesus Mm -hmm. great teachers Mm -hmm. existent in us all you know yeah. Yeah. Anything else we we should give our listeners today? I don't know, Carolyn. I mean, <laughs> I guess I've been really lately experiencing, um, like, I just want to, I guess I just want to express sympathy and compassion for everyone who finds, like, the intense love of Christ to be disgusting. Because it is humiliating to be like so completely and utterly loved. And I think that that is one of the ways that all of us enlightened saints walking around um, ignore our sainthood. Mm. We are like so easily taken in by the like, 
I don't know what, I don't exactly know the right word, but like we're so easily taken in by the like pride that wants us to deny Mm -hmm. how totally perfect and Mm -hmm. lovable and exactly correct we are and how much we utterly deserve to be loved and how much everything really is totally fine. And we would, we're just, it's very easy to like go along with the story that things are wrong and that there's something wrong with us and we don't deserve to just be completely smothered with adoration by God's consciousness and like utter fascination with our inherent indwelling inviolable beauty. And it's just, I like, I understand. It's very easy to feel like that is humiliating and to like reject it and to like make up all kinds of reasons to continue living in the hell Mm -hmm. that like something needs to be other than it is. I just want to express (laughs) compassion for that, you know, tendency in us all the gods of hell like the lords of hell are very convincing and uh it takes work Mm -hmm. and a willingness to be totally sacrificed and humiliated and debased and like murdered to the like completely expansive all-encompassingness of love yes ma'am yes (laughs) ma'am hallelujah yeah Yeah, for sure it does it reminds me i was rereading in um Lon has a book called, I think, Angels, Demons, and Gods of the New Millennium. And I was rereading it this morning, trying to figure out how I should deal with my goetic issue. And, uh, you know, he was talking in there about there's so many people in the world who have never done um, the headless rite or the Abramelin style rite or, you know, ritual ceremonial magic who have the knowledge and conversation of HGA. And he was saying they've done it through devotion, through, you know, bhakti, whether that's like devotion to Christ or Krishna or whatever have you, that that he was talking about how like that's really like the fastest, um, surest route. And also he was um, giving this reading of the Emerald Tablet um, as sort of a map of the Hermetic path. And in there it talks about, you know, separate the gross from the subtle, you know, you um, use this like uh, warm, consistent attention, this like warm, patient heat. And he was saying that that like warm, patient heat is like the heat of like mature love, like mature eros for God is what um, and, and letting oneself be penetrated by the eros. So hard, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's hard because it's, it's the happiest, most delightful thing. And so it's very challenging to give it to oneself. And the route that I took was um, doing the headless rite and also working with um, karma mudra, you know, envisioning making love with, uh, with consciousness, with the primordial Buddha. And the, what was happening for me was like, I had an infatuation going on with a a living person. And I was like, well, this is pretty dead end, but I have this energy of love and infatuation. And I can recognize that this person logically just has to be a face of all creation. Like, I mean, you know, as we all are, right. It's like Layla's beautiful face is part of the fractal holograph of the beauty of everything. Likewise, the person I was infatuated with. And so um, I was like working with and using that energy to realize like, if I'm in love, if I'm in love with anything or anyone, you know, if I'm in love with my little daughter, Lulu, 
Like, she is all of creation. None, nothing exists apart. You know, she doesn't exist apart from all the rest of it. It's right. all exactly as lovable as the most lovable thing within it. And that includes me. I am extremely lovable, too, because... And, and like, having that realization of, like, I am exactly as lovable as I feel the people I most love to be lovable, super, super healing to understand that, like, I'm part of the exact same fabric of lovableness. <laughs> totally. And I think it's just, yeah, it's like really deep. I mean, I, in Electric Yes, when I do these coaching calls, like it never fails that someone is wanting some coaching on, you know, I have this like amazing person in my life or I've had many people come into my life who really love me and I just keep fucking it up. Like I just keep like sabotaging the like love that wants to come into my life. I mean, some people are like, can't, you know, find someone to love them. Some people find someone who loves them and then they utterly fucking reject it and find something wrong about it and are disgusted by it and throw it away. And I just think that like, you know, we think that what we need to do is magic on our relationships, but it's really the deeper truth is we need to do magic on our relationship with God. Because if we do not feel like that symptom of like having love come to you and finding it repulsive is identical to the feeling of not being fully in union with God and not being fully lovable in ourselves. And like, that's why those things fall apart because we're just like, no, it's too much. I can't handle it. I couldn't possibly have this. There must be something fake about this. There must be something wrong about this. It must be you know, demented somehow. And we like walk away from it because our consciousness is not willing to believe that we really just deserve to have that in an ongoing eternal way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so it's like, I, I mean, I like, I have a lot of compassion for people because it's like, I feel like it's only the truly enlightened who can have true love. And like, that's, you're not going to have true love in your life unless you have true love in your heart already existing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You can have all kinds of people around you adoring you and you can despise each and every one of them and find problems with them and yourself. Yeah. And be like, these people are fucking manipulating me. <laughs> these people are full of shit. They don't know the real truth that I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And know? that's just the paranoia of the unredeemed Belial. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. That is just the p kings of hell talking nonsense, whispering their poisoned thoughts into your mind and the real task is not to hate them, not to despise them, not to exile them. They're already exiled, mm. but to confront them and command them and give them new work. Repurpose. Yeah. So you heard it here, folks. You know, <laughs> build that magical temple. You are Solomon. You are, um, you are soul. You are the You are the son. Son, the son of the sun. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. His very own offspring. Yeah. So uh, this has been the Sleepover podcast. Um, please do give us a little rating, a review, tell your friends. Uh, let's, let's all keep waking up together. You're all so wonderful for listening to us. I, you are the very my very favorite people in the world, sort of people who like to listen to this sort of thing. You rock. <laughs> you really make the dream worthwhile. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye-bye.